Welcome to Amplify, a podcast that gives marginalized communities and diverse people a platform to share their story and reclaim their narrative. I feel like everybody should feel welcome. Everybody should feel like they're a part of the community. Before you enjoy the episode, we ask that you please support this podcast by sharing it with your friends and family and let us know what you think by leaving us a review and what you want to hear more on the podcast. Our message is to amplify the voices of marginalized and diverse communities. Just remember, it is most impactful when diverse people share their own narrative. Welcome back to Amplify. I'm so excited. Today we actually have a repeat guest, uh, Courtney Johnson. And last time when we had our podcast episode, we probably talked for a while after our podcast episode about all the topics we're going to delve in today. So we figured we would come on and do another podcast episode. Courtney, it's so nice to have you on again. Uh, Thank you for having me. So can you give a little refresher for maybe the people that didn't listen to our last episode that we did together a little bit about yourself, whatever you want to share with the audience? So yes, like you said before, my name is Courtney Johnson and I'm the founder of Young and Established, which is a local nonprofit here in Evansville, Indiana. And our mission is to inspire the youth and young adults to be positive role models in the community. And we touched on just community things and of course our organization and some other topics as well. A shameful like plug that if you haven't listened to that episode, make sure to go listen to the, the first Courtney Johnson episode in our first season of Amplify. Um, so we're going to kind of delve into some more deeper topics this time. A lot of what we were talking about before was our experiences with racism. And really, I want to touch more on your experiences So racism has a lot of different layers. There's overt racism, there's covert racism. How has racism really shaped the type of work that you chose to do today? Um, I wouldn't say, uh, I don't know if it shaped it. It it really, um, I started in Terre Haute. I think I told you that before, but then I ended up moving back home. But I just noticed that there were some things that I experienced that, I didn't really understand it and didn't realize that it was racism until I got a little older. But um, there were just certain things that I, I, as far as meetings that I would go to and how certain people would say things to me, which I didn't, I didn't really take it for racism at the time, but there were just little things that continued to happen. And I know you said you experienced some of those things as well. Yeah. Like, like experiences where like, they're not, they're not blatantly racist, but they're kind of, I don't know, maybe some people, they kind of try to plug diverse people to achieve a certain agenda, which I really don't like. I don't know if you've had those experiences as well. Yes, I have. Definitely with with running a nonprofit, I've experienced that a few times over the past few years. But uh, one of the things that, that I've noticed that it's gotten better, which is good. I know we've started to talk about racism, uh, not only in the schools, but 
on different platforms and different areas as well because of what's been going on, the current events that's been going on uh, in our world uh, in the past few years too. So we're having a discussion now, I feel like, and, and people are actually wanting to, to talk about what's going on instead of, I guess, sweeping it under the rug. I feel like over, over the past few months, we've, we've definitely had a lot more meetings and I've been discussing with, with different people as far as what we can do to make things better. And it's so good that we're finally seeing those steps being established. Unfortunately, it took a lot of bad things to happen for things to open up people's eyes and to actually see that change coming. I'm hoping that we can kind of keep this progression of good change without a lot of more bad outcomes happening. I agree. So there, this is another topic I love to talk about, but being a person of color, being a minoritized individual, a lot of times you're expected to educate people about your experiences and about your trauma. And a lot of times it be- can become really draining and you don't necessarily want to be that person that's always loudly educating and talking about your oppression. Have you seen this happen in your own life? And how do you go about navigating it? I have. And it, as you said, it is draining sometimes if you have to continue to repeat and repeat and repeat different experiences and different things. But I think that's the a good way for people to learn because people are curious and people do want to know, which is a good thing. I'd rather people want to know than not know at all the experiences that minorities have to deal with uh, in our community. And I think it's good for people to want to learn. So I don't really get, I don't really feel any type of way about people asking, but as you said, I mean, it does get draining when you have a lot of people asking uh, what you, what you have experienced or what you go through and what can, what can I do? Uh, I know I got a lot of those questions as far as what can we do? And I mean, I would say just to do your research and, and to let your voice be heard. If you feel there's something, if you feel like something is not right, you have to, step up and say something. Uh, I know a lot of people were quiet with certain situations, whether it was family, whether it was uh, close friends. Um, a lot of people didn't really want to say much, whether it was social media or just in person. And I think it's it's important for all of us to to let our voice be heard. And if you feel something is not right, you have to say it. And I agree with that sentiment. Like I love when people ask questions. It might be the way that people approach it, For me personally, I don't know if that's a similar experience with you, but it's when people like address you, for example, when I used to work in the hospital and I've even had these experiences outside the hospital, but it's to the point where people ask you a question, but they're like, so are you really from here or like those types of questions kind of get to me because it doesn't make me feel American that I'm a part of this culture. So it's already alienating me from that person. Or when somebody tries to relate to me by equating somebody that they think they know that's from the same culture, I'd rather people go in and try to be acknowledged that they don't know when they're trying to understand rather than trying to to equate their experience with experience I had. I feel like everybody should feel welcome. Everybody should feel like they're a part of the community and, and hearing stories like that. I mean, it's kind of sad because I know you're not the only one 
uh, that has to deal with those kind of things. And I think us talking about it uh, is shining the light on some of those issues and some of those things that need to be corrected. And I don't think it's even educating people about your trauma or your racist experiences, but maybe even just foundations of your culture, of your religion. And sometimes it can become draining because you feel like people always have to accommodate you. Like for me personally, as part of my religion, like I'm at the age where I'm 23 years old, everybody that surrounds me, a lot of social events surround alcohol. And unfortunately, like, not unfortunately, because I don't want to drink alcohol. But as part of my religion, I don't drink alcohol. So I kind of abstain from going to settings that have it. So I feel Mm -hmm. like I always have to like insert myself to accommodate. And it's to the point at my age that I don't even I don't even say anything about it anymore. I just don't go to events. And I feel excluded because I just don't want to keep like keep saying it I feel like I'm letting down people's energy because that's what they socially like to do and so they'd have to come up with something completely new to do because I was there do you know what I mean I don't know if you've experienced stuff like that where maybe something as part of your culture or something that you're not comfortable doing that sometimes people will have to accommodate you to be a part of no, activities I, I totally understand and I think that's why it's good for, and I'm sure you do have people that don't mind. I mean, or, or don't even like to to drink or do certain things. I know with me, I've had certain situations where I didn't want to go to certain things or be around certain people, uh, not because of. I mean, I don't. I don't want to make it sound bad. It's because I didn't want to do those things. I don't judge anybody for doing are wanting to do other things. Uh, it's just something that I didn't want to do. Or I didn't feel comfortable with being around. So I would just not go. And um, it's important for people to just accept that. And sometimes there will be people that will ask. And again, like you said, you don't want to continue to have to repeat yourself over and over and over and over to certain people. So you just won't attend the event altogether. So you don't have to explain uh, yourself, which I mean, I've been in events like that before where there were certain things I didn't want to do or I didn't want to be around. So I would just not go to the event altogether or I would have to make that sacrifice where I just kind of stood in the background and, and had to be there for certain reasons, but just kind of let people know why I'm here and whatever I had to do, whether it was speaking or whatever the event was, I would do what I needed to do and then leave if I, if I needed to. Yeah, it's like a, it's a very hard situation to be in. And I don't know if a lot of people realize, especially, and that kind of even holds for people that are not necessarily people of color who have, it's anybody that really has to accommodate themselves to be in a certain space that like, sometimes they may not, may not want to participate in some activities that everyone else wants to do. So kind of transitioning more into it so how do you think like your experiences with racism shaped you now like how you are i feel like i'm able to adapt uh, to certain situations and certain things i know before uh, when people would ask certain questions i i would take it personally now i feel like a lot of people just don't know and that's i don't want to say it's my job but sometimes i feel like it's important to correct certain people or let people know that that's not okay to ask those questions or to say those things. But um, I think it's definitely helped with uh, the position that I'm in and the things that I'm doing and to be able to just bring awareness to certain situations to not only people of of color, but uh, to people that 
may not understand what minorities feel when they ask certain questions or put people in certain situations that they're not comfortable in. And um, I think, like we said earlier, just letting people know and having those conversations, I think, has kind of turned things around um, for me and for others that uh, have been involved with not only Young and Established, but some of the other projects and things that I've done. Yeah, and adding on to that, I feel like when you're a minority or you're a person of color, a lot of times, like for me, like I think it actually has made me more outspoken. I, If you've seen me in middle school or high school, I, I wasn't how I am now. I'm, I probably made like a 360 transition, but I realized that if people don't know and I'm complaining about them not knowing, then it's like, I have to do something about it. I'm not just going to sit here and be like, oh my God, I hate that they don't know this about me or they're not doing this because a lot of times it's not even the person's fault. Sometimes I've been in people, I've been shared with experiences with people where there is somebody that grew up in rural America where everybody around them was white. And probably the first time they met anybody that was diverse was when they went to college. So sometimes it's a pro- they're a product of their environment and that's not necessarily their fault where they grew up or what they were exposed to until they're adults or where they can make that choice for themselves of what to be exposed to. So like you said, like having those experiences, I realize not to complain all the time about people not knowing because sometimes people are a product of their environments and you should actually try and do something instead of just sitting around and saying, oh my God, I can't believe they don't know this just share it with people. And a lot of times people are going to be receptive to actually hearing that information. Yeah. And the people that are not, you can't, I mean, you can't really worry about that. There are going to be people that really just don't care to change or to know kind of the struggles and and things that minorities have to deal with. So uh, you have to take that into perspective too. Not everybody is going to be basically open to some of those changes. Yeah, I, I've realized that fortunately, you can't change the world and change everybody's perspectives, but you try to change as much as you can. And just do the best that you can. That's all we can do. I I agree with you on that. I've been told that I, I try to change the world too much. And sometimes there's some stuff that's out of my capacity that I can't change everybody's perspectives. But I'll just try to change as much as I think I can. And that's the best thing that we can do, because if we try to change everybody and and adapt to all these different things, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I don't want to say impossible, but it, it's draining and it will definitely wear you down. So all we can do is our best. And that's, that's it. I 100% agree. We really only can do our best. So kind of thinking about our local community a little bit. Where have you seen racism in Evansville in our community? Like whatever you're comfortable with sharing about maybe experiences you've seen other people have uh, or your own experiences. Um, I would say, I mean, it's a variety of, of different experiences and different situations. But I mean, I've, I've, I think we had talked about it before. I've been in situations where I go shopping or something and get followed by someone. And I mean, the whole entire time without them even asking if I need help or anything like that. So people just kind of making you feel uncomfortable uh, in certain places and spaces. So I've, I've had to kind of deal with that even now 
Um, I, I still deal with situations like that, but um, it, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, and, and other situations, it's I would say, I don't want to say community stuff, but there's been some meetings or, or events that I've been to where somebody may say something that made me kind of feel like it was a little racist. And I mean, it's, I would do my best to correct the situation. I let the person know. And if they continued, then, I mean, like we said before, there was really not much that I could do, but I definitely would let the person know that I felt uh, a certain way about the comment or whatever the situation was and would leave it at that. But I would say there's been a few, but off the top of my head, that that's the first one that comes to mind as far as uh, situations like that. And I know other people have experienced it as well. Erica, I can even account like, from personal experience where I've seen, I've seen a similar experience with, with black people shopping. When I worked, I worked at a department store and we had security that was within the department store. And anytime they would see maybe like a group of like black teenagers with backpacks, they automatically assumed that they would be stealing um, that to watch them extra carefully. And it's even to the point where the kids are so subject to this happening to them and they notice that you're looking at them, that they're like opening their backpacks for you to see what's inside their backpack. And I think that's just a very sad reality that like these kids are subject to knowing that this is what these people think about me. They always think I'm going to be stealing. So I have to physically display to them my backpack to show them that I'm not stealing. That was like a wake up call for me when I, I saw that I, didn't realize that was a reality for a, a lot of kids um, and a lot of black people. Yeah. And, and I know several people that have experienced that, uh, whether it's friends, families, uh, kids that I've mentored, uh, kids that are involved in our programs. Um, I mean, you, you hear and see those situations and, and stories all the time. And it's like a sad reality. It's even, sometimes I get even more like sad or disappointed, especially when it happens to kids. Like, kids when you're an adult like sometimes you you can internalize and sometimes let go but like I can even remember instances when I was a kid and you take those with you throughout your life and I've known people like that are Muslim for example and they've been called by people in their school like terrorists and they've been insulted by teachers or their administration so it was to the point where they're internalizing that so a lot of them are even fearful to share that they're Muslim they they usually hide the fact that they are if they're physically not wearing like a headscarf which is a physical display of being a Muslim a lot of them are not going to share share that they're Muslim and that kind of made me sad that they're very scared to share that identity because of people's reaction to it yeah, that, that is sad. I mean, to hear something like that, <clears throat> you don't want anybody to ever feel uncomfortable or feel like they can't be themselves. And, and that's that's something that, again, it just has to change and, and bringing awareness to those situations and letting people know that these things are happening. Um, I think it, it's very good that uh, we're able to at least talk about it and, and let people know these are things that are happening right here uh, in our community as well. I 100% agree with that sentiment. I think it's just, it's a lot of different things that are, that are experiencing it. Adults are experiencing, kids are experiencing it. And just to acknowledge that this is happening and we need to take active steps to be better. 
So let's talk about being anti-racist. So really to be anti-racist is to acknowledge that racism is in our society to the point where we can be implicit and we can develop our own biases towards all diverse people, but black people and brown people specifically. Um, So we can acknowledge that all of us are hardwired to be a little racist unconsciously sometimes. And we can take steps towards confronting our own biases and fighting racism firsthand. So what do you think there's some steps that Evansville can take to make our community anti-racist? I would say that, that what we're doing now is, is talking about it and continue uh, to talk about it and then figure out what those next steps are, not just having a meeting and then waiting for something bad to happen to have another meeting. I think we need to put some things in place now so we're already prepared. I know we've talked about it, but now it's time to to actually put some action behind some of the meetings and some of the, the things that we've done. So I think just to actually put a plan in place and to execute that plan and, and to continue to push it, I think that would be the next steps. And I know we've had several uh, events and talks, not us, but I've been to different things where we've talked about uh, racism and, and different things, but now it's time to actually put a plan in place and to actually move forward with that plan and, and see what happens. I think too, like you were mentioning with the conversations, is people are craving conversations. I've seen it. Um, last year when I went before COVID, it was like a couple of days before the whole pandemic started, I went to Bossy High School and I went to their international club And I kind of did a stimulation of what we did for cultural communications, which if you guys don't know is, is basically an extension of my podcast. So cultural communications is the nonprofit and the podcast is under it. And so previously before the pandemic, we used to do discussion panel series, but because of the pandemic, we transitioned to a digital platform. So that's why we have Amplify, which is the podcast we're talking on right now. But anyway, I did a stimulation where I had the topic and the types of questions I was discussing and I kind of did it with the kids. And at first they were very resistant, but as the time went on, these kids were having really deep conversations. And I realized that people want discussion, they, but they want a safe place to have it. And they saw that with the club that we we're having with the people that were discussing it and with just, just the mannerisms and everything that people were having around the discussion, the people felt open to share their opinions and share their experiences and listen to the experiences of their classmates that have probably went through something they may not have. So like, in my opinion, I think just having, have, having areas to facilitate conversation, and it doesn't even have to be super formal. You could have in, informal ones, especially in school settings where these kids are probably craving conversation with their classmates, but they don't think they're allowed to facilitate it or allowed to share their opinions openly. So even having like within clubs that may discuss topics like it, like international club in a high school or any other types of club, I think that would be a really good way to start too, is having those conversations within schools in young, in young kids, as well as older kids. No, I I definitely agree with that. I think that, is a great start. I mean, to actually go into the schools and, and talk to the young, the younger generation is definitely uh, something that we should do a lot more of. And I mean, I, I totally agree with you on that. 
I think a lot of times kids don't feel like they have a voice. They feel like they're always, and even when I was younger, sometimes you feel like you're a kid. You don't, you don't really have any say. And so if you provide those platforms for kids, they'll feel a little bit more empowered and more encouraged to share their voice. And that's something that we try to push as well. And I, I think it does work. If you give a, a young person opportunity to speak and, and let their voice be heard, I, I, nine times out of 10, they will. Uh, I just feel like you said, a lot of young people just don't feel like they have that platform uh, to actually say how they feel and uh, what's going on. Are you working on anything right now that kind of coincides with this conversation we had? And why do you find it important to, to do this type of work? Actually, what you had just mentioned is something that we've kind of already started uh, our, at our community center. We have a time where we want to talk to our students, uh, where it's just a safe space where you can kind of talk about what's going on and just kind of let it out. I mean, and giving the students the opportunity to just kind of say how they feel and what they're going through. Um, with racism and social justice and all the things that were, were going on uh, the past few months, it kind of just hear from the kids and, and just let them kind of say how they feel and what they think should change and what shouldn't change. And I think you get a lot of good feedback from that. And um, I mean, we can even learn from, everybody can learn from, from someone, but just hearing from the younger generation and just kind of just seeing how they feel and how they deal with certain things is a great way for us to learn and to figure out how to change things as well. So we have different things that we actually, we're trying to put a program together, but with COVID, uh, we're kind of just putting that on hold for now until we actually figure out the next couple of months, what things are going to look like. Yeah. COVID putting a, a dent in everyone's plans these days, but it's learned, it's allowed us to learn how to accommodate. And so I'm glad that out of COVID, I got this podcast, which is, I guess, positive thing that came out of it. But I love that you're really starting with kids. And I think kids are the most transformative. You can like meaning that you can really have an impact by impacting kids and they can impact future generations. That's why I love working with kids. I love doing things with kids because they are the future generations. And so if you try to impact them, they're going to try to have that as a triple effect towards affecting future generations. And hopefully by the time their generations to come, that these conversations are very normalized and, and people are having them all the time. Let's, let's hope that happens. I mean, that's def definitely something that will be great uh, for our community. I mean, uh, to have people talking and starting with the, the younger generation to, to get them a lot more involved and let their voices not just the, the younger generation, but everybody, let everybody's voice be heard that wants to speak out against certain things and situations. That's the dream, hopefully. Hopefully that will happen. So kind of ending off things a little bit, what advice do you have for people who want to fight to be anti-racist? What, what would you recommend to them? Basically what we said, I mean, put 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 it out there. Let people know how you feel. Um, you don't have to have a nonprofit or a podcast or anything. If you want to let your voice be heard and, and, and get out there and make change, I mean, anybody can do it. And I think that's one of the things that we should push a lot more to 
as far as people feel they need to be a leader or someone in the community that has some type of status, anybody can step up uh, to say how they feel and, and what they feel is not right and what should change uh, to make our community a better place. Yeah, I think people think they always have to do something big or grand to make an impact, but you can do very small active steps. You can have conversations with your family members about certain topics. You can watch a Netflix documentary. You can read a book. Um, you can just go on Instagram and follow accounts that maybe you're not familiarized with this culture, with this group of people, but just engaging in their content and maybe learning something new each day. And I think this is a really good segue into a segment that we do called Be an Ally. So basically what this segment is about is our guests uh, will share maybe something that they're doing this week, this month to keep themselves educated or that they would recommend for others to maybe look into doing to help them just grow their knowledge and to be more actively anti-racist and to be an ally with other groups of people. And I like what you said about learning something new. Uh, I, I feel like we all can, even us, I mean, there's, there's so much information out there and that's some things <clears throat> that are free too. I mean, books and documentaries and different things. And I, I think it's important to let people know sometimes when they ask me, what can I do? I send them a book. Uh, I send them a documentary or something where they can actually just research themselves, basically what's going on or any questions that they have. I mean, it's right there. I may not be the right person uh, to answer that. So I think it's it's good for people to actually do their own research and look up uh, certain books. And like you said, different accounts on whether it's Twitter or Instagram. I mean, there's so much information that is available. Um, I think everybody can can research and and do that themselves too if they're looking for answers and looking for ways to change. Yeah, I always say this too with my nonprofit is I'm my goal is to share other people's stories. I'm not necessarily an area where you can get all your information. What we love to do is share other information people are already already compiling. We know we're not the epicenter of information. And we know there's so many other groups that have such good information that are more educated on topics. So we're happy to share those resources for people because there's so many different organizations that are doing such great work. And our goal is just to share personalized stories of people and just for people to hear different people's experiences. And that's what it's about. And what you're doing and your team, I mean, it's amazing. Like I always tell you, it's it's great to see people um, pushing for change and, and wanting our community be our community to be a better place. And I think what you're doing is amazing, and uh, I'm I'm glad to be a part of it and and to see your podcast and your movement continue to grow. Yeah, thank you so much for being a part of this and continuing our conversation that we had uh, from our last podcast. Um, so for those who hadn't listened to the last podcast or want to learn a little bit more about you and your nonprofit, where can they find you? You can actually go to our website at youngandestablished.com. Uh, and we're also, of course, on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, you, you can find us at Young and Established. So, yeah, if you want to get connected with our organization, reach out to us. We always are heavily involved in, in things in the community and, if people want to get involved with our organization or 
and have great ideas and we're all about it. So just reach out to us. That's awesome. Thank you so much again, Courtney, for being on. Oh, thank you for having me again. I appreciate it.